This is the Horse Radio Network. Hey there, this is Lesson 11 of the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Using the clicker while in the saddle. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make the show possible. They are Jeffers Equine and Cavalier. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's lesson, we are going to learn about how to utilize a clicker while in the saddle. A lot of times what people do, they, they, they say, yeah, this is great for tricks, this is great for husbandry behaviors, veterinary stuff, but you couldn't possibly use it in the saddle. Well, we're going to debunk that myth today. <laughs> it's really, it's the same. What It's a behavior is a behavior is a behavior. It doesn't make any more sense to the horse that we're on their back versus on the ground. It's just an orientation shift. So we are going to shift and take it to under saddle so we can address the some of the issues we might have under, under saddle, but we also really start to create a really strong connection under saddle and the horse starts to think this is great fun and even can help negate some of the work that goes with kind of ridden work when we're trying to exercise them. So we're going to get to that. One of the things that uh, people ask all the time is where do I get clickers? Where do I get targets? Where do I get all of that stuff? So what you can do is you can go to my website and that is www.on-target-training.com. So it's on target training with hyphens between the on target and the target, the training (laughs) anyway. So for all your other needs, I recommend you go to Jeffers Pet. They have Jeffers Pet, Jeffers Equine. They have things for not only your horses, but also all of your pets and their family company and a great prices. You know, I think this is one of the funnest and funnerer <laughs> and most rewarding parts of, of work with my horse. I know that we horses are some whether you can ride them or not. And there's so much we can do on the ground. An old horse doesn't mean it's a horse you should get rid of. I have plenty of fun, lots of agility things or fun things to do on the ground. But I think it's really awesome when I've really established a nice history on the ground with my horse and a, they, we had a good relationship. I love being able to take it to under saddle in a way that is feels quite beneficial for both of us. And so I think it's it, taking the stuff to under saddle to me is very exciting and and in a in a way that I feel like the connection is really strong. So I so taking the positive reinforcement under saddle using the clicker under saddle is actually quite it's not as complicated as people think. People assume you can't do it here, but you a- actually can. And I'm going to tell you a, a story that is So I have my little guy, Murray, he's my young off the track thoroughbred who really was quite worried about the world. And so he has now just turned six because it's just after January, but technically he's still five and he's an immature five. And so when I started working with him, I worked on the ground for a few months and it took a bit till he actually, I felt like he wasn't just doing it for the food. He actually was doing it for me and he had heart and he would try beyond his comfort level and he would be, you know, really give me things. You know, 
trying something new, I think I'll kick. <laughs> he would think, you know, you're trying something new. I'm going to see what it's about. You know, so it took a bit. So then as we moved to under saddle, I just went slow. I was like, we don't need much. We can go slow. We'll go at your pace. I wanted to be sure that one, I did have a horse that would slow down when I asked. I don't know. That seems important to me <laughs> on a green horse. But I also wanted to be sure that he felt that this was something that didn't take him over threshold. It wasn't a worried place. It wasn't a just responding to things. I wanted him listening to me and what we were doing and feeling like it was good. Well, we went along and I've gone rather slowly with him by design. You know, I'm not in any hurry. And then I travel and do stuff in between. So we haven't even cantered under saddle yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there coming up pretty soon. And one day I brought him in. We have one of those Euro sizer walkers. So he's out there in the walker and I stopped to get him out to bring him in to get him ready. And the horse behind him was, she was just all worked up and trying to push the thing and get her head through and being really pretty bold. And he, he was, pre, he was getting worried about it. So he was over threshold. I get him out. We close the door. I take him to the cross ties to start getting him ready to ride. Well, now the guys are working in the barn aisle, pulling up the mats right next to the cross tile tie him just get more and more worried and I thought okay you are he's tacked up by now but he is now kind of riled and I thought what can I do to help you to settle should I put you should I take your tack off and put you back in a, a paddock should I take your tack off put you in your stall and then you know what I realized one of the times he is the most settled and he's a horse I mean he's a thoroughbred he's a bright you know a lot of energy horse I realized the time he's most settled is when we're under saddle and so I thought, I'm going to take you, I'm going to walk you to the mounting block and see. And if you feel like you're too much, we'll, we'll change our plans. But I got to the walking, walk to the mounting block and I felt him settle. I put my, got in the stirrup, put my leg over and I felt him settle even more. And we just went to a nice, relaxed little work and you could feel the tension just melt away out of him. Now, the reason that is, is because all of those pieces of working with him under saddle, I made sure that I use the positive reinforcement. I classically conditioned essentially each of those cues where it was, you know, he learned to respond nicely and softly to the cue. But by this point, it is actually something that he really likes. And it's, it has a good frame of reference in his mind. He likes all that. And that helped him know that world. So that wouldn't be the response I might expect if he didn't have this positive reinforcement woven into his his history of this under saddle stuff with me. So that is my goal for everybody that even as we get more excited and do things, I, we will be doing jumping if, you know, all goes according to my plan, but that we will work towards, towards jumping. But I want him to be able to find that just as enjoyable that we can go up and we can come back down. And he thinks it's all great and fun as opposed to getting nervous and over threshold that his energy can go up and then it can come back down. In one of the earlier episodes, we talked about teaching uh, impulse control. And this is where impulse comes in quite a bit, where I really want to take those lessons that we learned on the ground at impulse control and make sure that they're working under saddle. So for a horse like Murray, who is big and bright and too much horse, I'm going to reinforce. I'm going to click and feed those downward transitions quite a bit. The times I feel him not only have a downward transition, but start to relax and settle into that downward transition. And boy, can you feel it so much stronger under saddle than you can even from the ground. Now, 
if I had a horse who tend to be the types like, nope, don't really want to go forward, <laughs> don't really want to go anywhere, then you, what I would work on in that side is I would actually be clicking movement and upward transition, trying to build a better reinforcement history, a better association with going forward, where pretty soon he's thinking, you know what, when I go forward, good things happen. We'll have an episode that dresses directly upward transitions and downward transitions and how to create them with a positive reinforcement tools. Cause it's, it's actually really simple and you don't have to go to all the the old things that they have learned and know so well, we have new new tools that we can use that creates it. And then pretty soon like, well, I want to go forward, you know, and you're like, yay. So that'll be another episode. But for today, we want to go back to how do we introduce it to, to being part of our ridden routine and our ridden work together. One of the things I do when I first get to a brand new horse that I'm going to be working with that is, and, and a really good example is um, one of our horses, Primo. And Primo is an off-the-track thoroughbred, but he has been a school horse. So he has been, um, he has been more history with being ridden. But frankly, his ridden history is kind of like I get on, I people get on who don't know what they're doing, and I just do what I do, you know, and I hollow my back, and I don't round, and I do all these different pieces. And and so he has a history. He can do it. He's safe. But what I want to do is turn it into one that actually is something he finds enjoyable and looks forward to. And so what we start off doing is when I'm working with a new horse, like taking a horse like Primo, even though he knows these things, what I do is I go back and like baby steps, I click and reinforce each and every little behavior. So I start small because what I want to do, while they may know this behavior, the reinforcement history and how they learn this behavior most often has been taught with pressure and release. That's really kind of the go-to. That's part of traditional training. That's part of natural horsemanship. Do you remember when we talked about when we teach with negative reinforcement, which is traditional training, pressure release, it is a removal of the pressure. And then we teach with positive reinforcement, which is the addition of an appetitive or something that they like, like food. We, they found, neurobiologists have found that they actually use a different part of their brain or tend to use a different part of their brain for the different types of learning. And with the negative reinforcement, it really tends to activate and light up, you know, as they're watching when they test this, it lights up the part of the brain most often and the part associated with fight or flight. But with positive reinforcement, it tends to light up the part associated with the seeking system. So with those different areas, they tend to produce different chemicals and hormones, which result in things like one for the fight or flight area, it's more cortisol and things that are stress hormones with positive reinforcement. It tends to be the seeking system, which is more dopamines and endorphins. So, so the, the resulting behavior and history and feelings that go with it can be quite different. So what I want to do is be sure that I'm building a positive reinforcement history with each little piece of the training, if I can. So when I first get on a brand new horse, I simply ask him to stand still to mounting block, reinforce him for that. And we, we talked about that in the last episode. But the next thing we can do is as I ask them to walk off, if they walk off nicely with a nice soft cue, I can click and reinforce them. So I click and I stop them and reinforce them. 
now this way I'm starting, they're starting to go, wait, what? When, and what I'm, I'm clicking for, and remember, you're always clicking the behavior you want to see more of because they're going to pay attention to what earned them the click when the click has been properly trained. And you can go back to the first couple episodes and get that sorted out if this is a new concept for you. So the clicker is really important that it's understood, but they always remember what earned me the click. So when I click for them going forward, they think, oh, what was I just doing that got me the click, which now got me the food. They remember that it was walking forward. So even though we stop and feed, they're thinking, what, what was the thing that told me I earned the reinforcer? And that was a click, which happens during the feed. If, and then I'll go on a bit and I may ask them to walk on again. And perhaps I ask them for a simple turn to the right. If they give me a nice response to that cue, I reinforce them quite nicely for that. So I click again and feed. So now they're starting to get the idea that, wait, food's going to come in this equation. And it's always when the click happens. So we always, can't say this enough, we always click on what we want to see more of. Now, so, and then I continue, turn to the right, turn to the left, stop, go, you know, and I build it up till it's in the trot and it's in the walk. And I, I reinforce quite heavily in this early part because I'm really trying to do something we call counter conditioning, something that maybe or maybe not has a, a, a neutral or maybe not a great history, depending on the horse. I want to weigh it really heavily. I want to rebalance those scales. So it is strongly associated with positive reinforcement and endorphins and dopamines and things that are good. So I just build that reinforcement history in a little bit. I just take, yeah, probably take three or four. You could even take a week, just simple little sessions just to build that up a bit so that you know that you're building a good, strong reinforcement history behind that behavior. Now, I'm going to tell you a lot of times when we first get on in the saddle that a lot of times what they do when we click, they'll look around like, or they just ignore it. They think that doesn't matter unless the person's on the ground. And that's usually because they have a strong history with ridden work being quite different. So you get in the saddle, they kind of presume and fall into habits that have been longstanding habits. So they're like, I know, I go forward, we do this, we do that. And they we they do pick up on our habits. So when I first click in the saddle, if I don't feel like they're listening, I stop them and reinforce them to let them know that that click actually does mean something under saddle, but they can kind of compartmentalize that if we're not careful. So we want to turn it into, this is the same training. The click means the same thing. The other question I get quite a bit is how do you carry a clicker under saddle? So what I do is I actually have a, uh, I have a, a, a clicker that has, I drill holes in, I sell these stick clickers. And I also um, have come up with a prototype with, it's like a little telescoping target, but it can be really short that it has, I can attach the clicker to that telescoping stick. So it makes it a really easy way to carry it. I, I learned to ride using a riding stick. So I can, cause I learned traditionally and I can use that clicker very simply and I can carry it. So that's a really easy way for me to do it. Other people have come up with other things and they've attached it to, you know, the saddle bag clip or that little strap across the, you know, that has various names, <laughs> the strap across the saddle. So you can do that as well. Another thing I will do down the road a little bit, a lot of times I'll also teach a verbal bridge signal. So I can just use a verbal cue, but I use it distinctly. So I use the word okay 
But, you know, when we're talking, we're riding, we're doing things, I may say, okay, or good boy, or I may say a thousand things. So I make sure that when I say, okay, I deliver it in a way that is not conversational. So I make it kind of, I mean, frankly, it sounds a little bit abrupt because I say, okay, you know, it's kind of sharp and they can hear that. And that's not how I'd say it if I was sitting on my horse and conversing with somebody. So I have shifted to using that as a bridge signal as well. So those are kind of some, some things that you can look to and, 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 and try out for yourself. But anyway, so now we have the clicker and we, now we've started the beginning of building up the reinforcement history with their basic behaviors that they already know. But I'm going to tell you the the more time you take in putting on that, uh, that, that you start reinforcing those things, the stronger this relationship is going to change under saddle and the quicker your progress can go. I know for a lot of people, there might be particular things that are challenges under saddle, you know, like somebody will come to a clinic and they're saying, I'm having trouble with flying lead changes. I'm having in trouble with the left lead. I'm having trouble with going forward. I'm having trouble with, you know, a, a dozen different things. And we're going to address some of those in later, later issues, you know, later lessons as we go on. But but let's say it's something simple. So there's ways to remedy things that are really issues and you need to think outside the box because the same old thing isn't working. But sometimes you have something that's just kind of a little hit or miss. As you get this kind of the principle, you get the, the positive reinforcement going under saddle, you can start addressing that a little bit. Let's say, you know, sometimes he has a clean, you know, left hand, left lead canter and sometimes he doesn't. Okay. You kind of ignore the times that he doesn't do it correctly. I just carry on till you, you know, and click when he is going nice in, in a nice forward canter like you like, but the times that he does and however you can set him up to, to get him to figure it out. But the times he does give you a nice left, clean left lead canter, you click and you feed that moment right then and there. Now, so, and then what you're starting to do is saying, yes, every time you give me a clean one, you've just may have earned yourself an opportunity for a reinforcement. So if the behavior's a little sticky and tricky, I would reinforce it every time for a bit until I feel like it's quite consistent. And then I would start saying, well, now I'm not going to click it every time. But I also think this is a really important part of the training game is being sure that we don't get stuck at the criteria. So at first you may click those first three or four or five good, clean left lead canners. At the moment he picks up the canner depart. The moment you know it's a clean, a clean depart. You go, yep, that's what I like. And I click that and I click it and I click it. And then as it's feeling more consistent, I'd say, that's great. Now let's put another stride on that. So I'd go, oh, that's great. You know, I might even say good boy, but I'd support and keep my aid there until I got you know, a stride and then two strides and then seven strides and then eight strides and then, and build it up till you have the duration on that behavior. So people are like, well, how are you going to possibly ride if you're clicking and feeding everything? But as you build up that good reinforcement history, pretty soon you're going to go beyond that. But if you don't break it down and draw attention to it and you click somewhere else down the road, you're not actually drawing attention to this particular behavior. So you need to draw attention to it. Just be patient. You'll get past it. So, and then as you build up your reinforcement history, so let's say this is great, you know, you're doing great. And now we canter, you know, all the way around the arena after your nice clean canter depart and they're very solid. Then once in a while I go back and I, I click immediately 
when they, you know, right at the canter depart so that they don't get in the habit of thinking, well, that canter depart doesn't matter anymore. Only thing that matters is my nice forward canter or my nice balance canter or whatever, you know, it might be. So by once in a while saying thank you early on with something, you help keep it really good. So you keep the energy still good in the beginning. One of the things like when we worked with the dolphins, you know, that we taught them to do bows, which is just a hop, uh, you know, a jump out of the pool and back in the water and back in the water. And so we would teach them um, to do bows until they heard their bridge signal. That's how I use the bridge signal as they keep going until they hear the click. We didn't use clickers. We use whistles. We didn't call it clicker training, but, but you get the idea. And so, but if we always bridge, let's say we always use the, the whistle or the clicker on the sixth bow, pretty soon the first bow, which used to be nice, is going to be get it flatter and flatter and flatter because they're going to be like, this one doesn't really matter. Only the sixth one matters. So number one would be low, two would be a little higher, three would be a little higher, four would be a little higher, five were reaching criteria, and six would be to criteria. So by breaking that up and sometimes taking the takeoff, Sometimes taking the first bow, sometimes the fourth bow, sometimes the eighth bow, sometimes the twelfth bow, sometimes the sixth bow. We keep them guessing. They don't know when it's going to happen. And it helps keep that criteria nice and high and the energy high because it, it's keeping some uncertainty in the game and some, you know, we're just saying thank you anytime, any place. So I know there's a lot more to go with under saddle, but what we really wanted to cover today is how do we get started under saddle? And I think that we've probably given you a fair share to get started with. So I want you to think about those things and, and remember, slow it down. And I know it's going to treat them like a baby. So in this early, you know, the first week or so, think about how you would work with a baby horse. You wouldn't drill things. You wouldn't go over and over. You would just say, Hey, that's great. Hey, that's great. Hey, that's great. Short and sweet, extra reinforcing. So giving food for each of those little things that they're responding to. And remember, what are the aids? I mean, the aids are essentially cues. And what we want is a nice, easy response to the lightest cue. So, so if I just can say, can you go forward and just shift my seat just a little and he goes forward and I can use a verbal bridge signal, which by the way, a lot of times using the verbal bridge signals on the, or not bridge signals, I'm sorry, the verbal cues on the ground, whether you're doing Liberty leading or you're doing reverse round pen stuff, using the same verbal signals and then pairing them under saddle with your under saddle cues is a great way to give them extra clarity as you move forward. So as you get on and you ask him to go forward, if he doesn't go forward, instead of raising pressure, what I'd like you to do is just sit for a second, you know, just like a second and a half and just don't do anything and then ask again. And then as soon as he gives you a good one, I want you to click and feed. So now you're starting to put something in it for your horse. Through traditional training, what is in it for your horse to go forward or to do a flying lead change? There's not not that much in it. But now as we start to put something in it that they value, this is a game changer. Now they become invested in the training, invested in the outcome of the training. And this really changes things. And maybe some of your, and, and as we go into, and it starts to get work oriented, like we start thinking, well, now I want you to trot, you know, for longer and longer and longer, build up slowly so that we're kind of negating some of the work that goes into 
the written work, you know, so it's not all work. And we're being sure that we have them in shape to be able to maintain the next places. I think a lot of times people, well, I've seen this. And a lot of times people get on and they, they said, I haven't ridden all winter. Now it's springtime and they go out for a four hour trail ride. Well, that, you know, the horse isn't in shape for that. Of course, that's going to be aversive in a lot of ways because as they get sore and their, their muscles can't really support that. So we break it down slower and build it up slower and let them build the career correct muscles and work on balance and work on, you know, building the duration on things. You take a lot of the kind of the unpleasant impact out of the training. So going slow is better. One of the things I say a lot, which you've heard me already say, slow down, you'll go faster. So slow down and help your horse to respond nicely to the cues for him to think there is something in it for me and then build up slowly to help him get the, the balance and the, the endurance that he needs. And if you need if you're kind of a new rider who isn't balanced, I'm going to strongly encourage you to go to somebody that can help you to learn how to be better balanced or get your horse in a better balanced situation. But don't lose what you've decided to do with the positive reinforcement history. You stick with it. You find a trainer who will work with you with that, but somebody that can maybe also help you to kind of get more balance yourself because sometimes we all need a little help. Anyway, so I think that's a pretty good start. And I hope I've covered some pieces and we're really going to get to it. In meantime, what I want you to do and think about all the things you need when you're under saddle, I want you to go ahead and listen to a word from our lovely sponsors, Jeffers Equine. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers was founded in 1975 by Dr. Keith Jeffers in order to provide local livestock owners with a reliable and more cost-efficient source for their supplies. Fast forward 40-plus years, and today, Jeffers has become a trusted source for equine, pet, and livestock supplies all across the United States, but they've not lost sight of the personal service that got them started all those years ago. You can still visit the Jeffers store in Dothan, or you can shop online at jefferspet.com, where you will find an astounding array of products for your equine habit, from quality tack, English and Western, to the supplies and healthcare products that you have come to depend on, as well as new and innovative lines to help your horse be his or her best. Visit them today at jefferspet.com. Okay, now it's part two of our show, and this is going to be the part that is the lab time. Now we're going to go out and we're going to practice some of the things we just talked about. So what you need to do is you need to, first of all, get your horse or get some the supplies you need for your horse. With today's lesson, you need a horse who's tacked up and ready to go. Now, I'm also going to say you don't have to use tack. That's up to you. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of great things we can do without tack. I would say for these early lessons, if your horse is rather green, this isn't the time to necessarily go bridalist probably, but we can work on that later. But, you know, so get your horse tacked up, whatever it is you kind of normally do or going to feel comfortable doing with the ridden work. Go ahead, get your horse ready for that. I want you to get your food ready. So you have a bucket or in this case, a fanny pack. If you're in the UK, do not say fanny pack. We'll call it a bum bag. But I would get a, you know, a bum bag or fern rack and fill it with some food. I'm also going to tell you a little trick I like is to to use some of the, uh, I like to use just feed under saddle for this. I find it dissolves nicely in their cheek if they hang on to it. I don't tend to use carrots as much because I think it, 
it's a hard thing that doesn't, if they pack it in their cheek, it won't dissolve. So get yourself some nice food in there, whatever you think your horse will like, and you can use anything. And then uh, get them to a safe place where you're ready to ride. And we will go ahead and get started. So you get your horse in a good place. You turn off your podcast when you are all ready and you have your pieces in place. Turn it back on and we will get started. I'm going to go get ready myself. Okay, so for today and lab time, I'm working with a horse named Nico. And Nico has a a ridden history, but his ridden history is actually rather tense and fearful. So he kind of tends to have a, he seems to feel, to me, it seems like he's gotten in trouble a lot for under saddle stuff. He seems to be really wary about stuff. Now, I don't know if that's the case or not, or sometimes people are quite nice, but they can be, the horse might not understand what was asked of him. And it can be unsettling. So what I'm really looking for with him is relaxation. I am definitely not going to be trotting with him today because that is going to take him up too fast to be over threshold. So I'm working with a little bit more of a special case. Sometimes it's just a horse who's neutral with everything, but that's not really Nico's case. Okay. So I've got my, I have a stick with a, like I said, with a clicker on it and with a little ping pong tennis ball in the end so i have that for my clicker to work with and i have a fanny pack full of feed so here is nico we're gonna walk him in and he i know he doesn't have a problem with mounting so that is not something i really have to address here and if you do i would address that separately if you can sometimes we can't we gotta do it on the fly but anyway so here he is got my stirrups down all right perfect and i'm getting up Okay, I'm in the saddle now. I'm gonna click and I'm gonna feed him. And remember from our mounting exercise, a lot of times what I do once I'm in the saddle, I wanna feed from the outside. If we always feed from the inside, there's a real tendency they start to get where they wanna turn to you on the inside. I would rather him get on and look to the outside, which puts his barrel closer to the the mounting block. So that was terrific. Now, he's eating for a second. And I give him a little bit more time. He does have a simple snaffle on. So I make sure I want to give him time to chew and enjoy his food in between. I don't want to go too quickly and go, yeah, but you can't eat it. Let's go. I want him to chew it and sort that out a bit. Now, he's a horse I wouldn't. I like to work towards a bitless bridle work with horses he's not one that's ready for that he's a little too uncertain i need to be sure that we've got relaxation and clarity and i think for him introducing something new in this juncture would probably make him feel more uncertain and more worried so i'm using some pieces that are familiar and i'm going to use them as softly and clearly as possible okay so he is ready so i'm just going to use my seat and tiny bit of leg and ask him to walk on And he walked on and I'm clicking immediately and feeding. Now see, this barely feels like riding, does it? (laughs) Good boy, Nico. There you go. 
and and what I do, and I maybe I haven't clarified this part. When I'm in the saddle and I click, all I do is lean from. I just lean down and feed, lean down and reach over towards their mouth. Sometimes, and Nico didn't have a problem with this, but some, but he's a foodie. Let's just say, um, but some horses do have a problem with this. Sometimes I have to pull the rein a little bit over till they get the idea to get the food. One of the things you may notice. I'm gonna give him another mouthful. Hang on a second. Good boy. And another thing that you may notice is that sometimes they'll be really soft and easy to bend on one side, and then you go to the other side, and it's all stiff and tight. Well, they'll they'll work it out. I promise you, in about a week, they won't be tight on either side. So, so don't worry about that. But help them out if you, while you need to. Pretty soon, they're going to get the idea. When I hear that click, I'm going to start checking in for some food. The other little little pro tip I have for you is feed from different sides. So I don't want them just naturally fly into the right. I'm going to sometimes feed from the right, sometimes feed from the left. I want to see their eye kind of forward and their their head forward, and you can see the side of their eye trying to watch which way you're going to go. So if they go to one side, I tend to go to the other for a little bit till they get the idea that it's easier just to watch and wait. Okay, so he's done chewing kind of looking at me expectantly, actually. So I'm going to ask him to walk on. So he's walking on and he's walking on. Right now, Nico kind of has his head a little bit high. He's not sure what's happening. He knows this is something different. I'm just going to keep going. I'm not asking for anything more. I'm just supporting with my seat. There we go. Okay, perfect. So now I just clicked and fed again. And what I clicked Nico for is that he kind of had his head high and was watching and his back a little bit hollow. And that's not really a good way for him to go. So I waited till he relaxed a little bit. And boy, can you feel that relaxation when you're in the saddle? You can feel when those little, that back and shoulder kind of lets go a little bit. But I could also see it because his head went down a bit. Now the head going down a bit doesn't mean the back's coming up, but it's better than the head up. So we'll start there. Maybe ultimately what I want to do is that head down and that back up. And so I really feel like he's stretching and using himself. But for now, I'm just going to take that head not being up. We'll work on kind of the rest of it eventually. But for now, I just wanted him to soften a little bit and relax and move forward and use his head a little bit more for walking versus watching me. So that was great. And he's eating. Okay. So I think he's about ready. And I'm going to ask him to walk on again. Okay, so we asked him to walk on. And he goes, he goes quite quickly. He's not a, he's not a slow one about the going. He wants to try more than not, but this is a challenge with him. So we're still walking and he's being good. And he's kind of softened his head just a little bit. Now I'm going to ask him to go to the right. Good. And just softly, I just did a soft little opening rein and a little shifting of my hips. And that was great. He did it nice. I clicked and I fed again. So again, I'm trying to make each of these cues 
have a stronger reinforcement history behind him, so he's more apt to respond to these different pieces. And of course, we're barely riding right now. It really is more in the saddle, trying to build the reinforcement history with the cues. So where I was about to say with him is he is not the type of horse that is more apt to go slow. He's more apt to be the horse who is gets nervous and too quick. So everything I'm really looking for with him is the slower, the more relaxed, the slower, the more relaxed so that he kind of settles a bit and learns that it's okay. One of the best things I can do for him today is not turn this into a work session. He has had a lot of time with people really trying to get him to work better under saddle and he's had some challenges, some physical challenges as well as emotional and that hasn't helped him to feel confident about this. He actually seems to feel quite insecure about this. Okay, so that was good. I'm gonna ask him to walk on again. And we're gonna walk on, we're kind of hitting the corner of the arena. So I'm gonna make a right hand turn. We're just gonna keep walking. And then I'm gonna ask for a circle in a bit, just a big circle. I don't want it tight. I'm gonna ask for a circle and then I'm gonna ask for a halt. So I'm not gonna get the whole circle. I just want him to bend to go into the circle. So I'm getting off of the, the wall of the, I'm in an indoor arena. So as we go, okay, and ho, perfect. Okay, so that was really good. Again, his head went a little high. I clicked and fed because I like that he hoed, period. His head went kind of high and he got a little hollow. But at this point in time, I'm picking one criteria at a time. And the criteria is respond to my cue, respond to my cue, respond to my cue. I will look for times when he can do it with a little bit softer. And that may not happen today, but that doesn't matter. I'll just keep working on getting the response to the cue. Do you know one of the things that happens? I'm gonna feed him again. So we're just standing for a little bit. Um, one of the things that happens is clarity is our friend in training. And a lot of times when the horse begins to understand what it is they're being asked for, they a lot of times will relax about it. You get more relaxation because they know what it is. So instead of going, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure, certain, am I doing the right thing? You can tell they're like, oh, I know what that is. And then they softly can, can give you that behavior. And so as we get this a little clear, more clear for, for Nico, I think he's going to let go of some of that worry about what is he doing wrong or where's this going to go? And the next, I'm going to tell you the next week with him, I'm not going to do anything but walking slow and quiet. So he is not, so he can let go of the work he associates with it that I suspect has something to do with his worry. Okay. So now we're going to do it again. I'm going to ask him to, I'm straight and I'm going to ask him to walk straight this time. So we kind of were started our circle, but I'm going to kind of walk straight and turn it to going straight across the arena. So I ask him to walk on. Nice. And he went on. He's still lifting his head a little bit when I, when we first go, but that's okay. He then settles a bit more into his head being a bit more level. And, and what I keep now starting to click when I feel like right there when I feel like so I'm clicking and I clicked and now I'm feeding what I like there is he kind of started giving me a little bit more of a fluid walk so his walk was a little bit stubby feeling to me you know like he's like a little bit not sure 
And then he would relax his head a little bit, but he wasn't quite as fluid and big walk. And that time I felt like it kind of went, oh, okay. And he stretched into it and he just walked on quite nicely. So I felt like he then settled into walking, which is nice. That's what I want. It really is all about relaxation with him in addition to building that reinforcement history where he likes his cues and his cues create a relaxed but bright response. I always talk about I want I want relaxed energy. I want a horse that goes off when I ask and does it brightly, but not nervous, you know, and if I just stop, he goes like, yeah, I'm good. I can relax. Okay. And, you know, we talk about sometimes what square halts in this. For now, any walk, any stop, it, it's really rather loose. You know, I'm not getting too picky with these things. We can refine that later. But for now, it is uh, kind of big, broad brushstroke. Okay. And I'm going to ask him to walk on again. Nico, walk. So now we're walking a bit. And I'm going to do a left-hand turn. And that was quite nice. And I'm going to ask him to stop again. Excellent. And that time he stopped with his head a bit lower. He seemed to know what it was and it didn't, it, it was a little more confidence in that and a little bit more balance in that, frankly. So I'm going to feed that again. That's really good. And he seems overall, Nico seems more relaxed. Okay. And now I'm going to ask him to walk on again. Walk on. Okay, that time he, he, he his head's a little high. Maybe I ask him to walk off a little earlier or something. I don't know. His head's a little bit high, you know, but we are going to the end towards the end of the arena now. So maybe that's something to do with it and it's getting a little windy, but that's okay. I'll just keep walking a little bit until I feel like he relaxes a bit. Okay, he feels more relaxed. I'm going to ask for a slight left hand turn. Perfect. And I clicked and reinforced. That clicked and now I'm reinforcing. But what I liked about that is he, when I asked for that left hand turn, it was taking him away from the windy end of the arena, which is okay. That's not my deal today. We'll work on despooking at another lesson. But for now, when he relaxed, I said, This is what's going to work for you. Each time you relax and listen and relax and listen, you're going to get reinforced. And you know what? For now, I'm going to end that there with him. I think that was really good. I'm making a conscious choice to not get off by the end of the arena where is the exit gate because a lot of times we can make it where they just want to go there so you get off and it's over. So I'm getting off, you know, I'm like two-thirds of the way down the arena. Okay, so I'm off now and actually I'm going to click and feed him for that as well. And there we go. And we're going to kind of make our way back towards the, the gate now. But what I liked about that, you can do this for longer periods of time. And But you get the idea. I'm getting off now because this is what's best for Nico. This short and sweet, he is going to learn in this process because he's like, wow, that didn't go where I thought it always goes. That was actually quite nice. That's part of his learning process. So I want to make it kind of extra short for him. You can do longer, but you get the idea of what we're working on. And it seems rather repetitious and dull, but it's really important to build a really strong reinforcement history. You know, we're actually doing what we call classically conditioning the elements that are part of the riding. We want him to love it. And like with my horse, you know, the horses I've had for a longer time, like mint, you know, I've had forever. 
anybody could ride mint people that have never fed him and would never feed him and he's like he just looks at the the canner depart as it's classically conditioned and he's like why wouldn't i canner i love to canner i don't know why i like to canner but i like to canner but it's because we've made this association so strong that he just it makes him feel good to canter and that's where we want to get to but it takes a little bit of repetition to really build it up especially with a horse who maybe has an unpleasant history or if they're shut down sometimes you have the most obedient and compliant horse but in there they could be in a learn a state of learned helplessness where they're just abiding they're not really enjoying it so we want to turn it into something they enjoy and choose to do okay so i'm going to go ahead and take nico back i'm going to take his tack off of him i'm going to get him settled and back in his stall or his field wherever you want to put your guys and uh put your stuff away and get everybody in a safe place and turn off your podcast you can turn it off before you do that. <laughs> and then we will meet back and we will have a little homework assignment and a little, little review about some things that may have gone on. Anyway, from I'm, I'm going to say good job, Nico, and hopefully you're saying the same to your horse. Okay, talk to you in a minute. Okay, well, my Nico, he sure was good. And he's eating and he's back in his stall. And again, I use that, I used Cavalier Feed as part of it. So why don't we listen to uh, learn a little bit more about Cavalier Feed? We progress through our training sessions and exercises. We talk about feeding the horse each time you use the clicker. Sometimes, actually, most of the time, I'm using feed, and then I always, in my bucket, have some treats as well. I love the Cavalier feeds and the Cavalier treats because they use only the highest quality ingredients, and I can feed a lot of it. I know it's healthy and a safe alternative to the highly processed feeds. So any horse, horse can have it and have lots of it. And with the Cavalier feeds, it's interesting because you can actually see the ingredients. I mean, it looks like granola cereal and, and I've actually tasted it and it's really good so it, your horses will love it and you can feel it's a guilt-free way to feel like you can feed lots of it and and be highly reinforcing without being over the top not loaded in sugar and that's really important okay so hopefully that went really good for you I you know what I imagine I imagine it was a little boring and felt a little simple but that's okay that's what it needs to be for this part of it and it's a great way just to build some repetition get you know and, and it, you don't have to do much it, it, make it simple make it in the safest places and build up this time do you remember we talked about teaching the clicker we talked about the classic conditioning that operant conditioning and i encourage you to do three five minute sessions a day for three days or three or two five minute sessions a day for four days didn't have to be all right in a row, but it was really that repetition of doing it a few times a day for those few days to really get this to start making those neural pathways in the brain. So with our horses, we don't really tend to ride them three times a day. That's a little trickier, but, but, it, but we do want to consider that kind of repetition. So I know this seems simple and you can build up walking a little longer and sometimes 
earlier and sometimes longer. And you should feel like your horse is actually stopping. When you click, it should feel like they stop and they check in. Like they they look and think, oh, I just earned some sort of reward. They told me that. Now, if you have a horse that starts stopping too abruptly, so, and that that can happen. And sometimes it's a phase they get through. But what I'll start doing is I'll support them for another half stride or so. So if I feel like, okay, we're walking, I'm going to click, but I'll just do a little support. So it comes down to a nice, natural, soft stop. So if, if you're getting one a little too bright, just to give that little extra support and then feed them when they stop nicely. So don't, don't make that too long in between, just a half stride or perhaps one stride in between where it's just nice and relaxed. So we just did walk and stop and the simplest, shortest little things. That's what Nico needed. And that's a great place to start with any horse. So what I want you to do is over the next couple of weeks, build that up to it's a little bit more. But remember, as you build that duration, I want you to still go back and sometimes click on the early stuff. So it is, uh, so just still sometimes say nice response to my cue, nice standard apart. So, and you're going to build up over the time to a little bit of trotting and then a little bit of cantering. And as that's going quite well, you can start to introduce some of the little criteria as a kind of, you think, okay, this part's really good now. Now what I want is maybe a little bit more collection or a little bit more, you know, whatever it might be. So remember big, broad brushstrokes, we slowly refine that process down without making it such a big jump that it becomes frustrating and not worth the while. But now you're finally putting something in it for your horse. And I tell you, it's a game changer. Anyway. Well, I hope that all makes sense to you guys and you have a good plan for going forward. Naturally, it's going to be a little different for everybody because your horse is going to be in a little different place. But I'm going to caution you, don't don't get greedy trainer syndrome. It'd be better to go a little slower and build a little extra repetition and making it solid instead of just all of a sudden expecting everything. Just hang on there and really build that, that reinforcement history with that classic conditioning. Okay. Well, you know, you can listen on most of your favorite podcasts to not only this episode, you can go back to listen to epi- uh, the older episodes, which a lot of times are really helpful to go back and get reminder courses. And you can listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which makes it super easy. And I, I love that. That's one of the best ways to do it, I think. And you can listen on your iPhone or you can listen on your Android. So it's available all over the place. Just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and and naturally it's easy to use. You know, and in fact, visit all of their great shows. You know, I started with these guys, you know, probably a decade ago by now. And they're hilarious. They're funny. They're informative. So go to Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Look around and I think you'll find a whole lot of fun stuff there. Another thing is if you do want to find out more about me, what I'm doing, my schedule, or whatever it might be, again, you can go to www.on-target-training.com. Okay. Well, you guys, it has been fun. And I know taking this under saddle is going to be amazing for you. Until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. Bye-bye. 